programme of work was being uh, prepared in schizophrenia by Dr. Peter Little, who had obtained a Wellcome Trust grant to study uh, oxygen metabolism and blood flow in the brains of schizophrenics. And he defined the three categories, negative and positive categories and some other. And he was hypothesizing different uh, patterns of metabolic profile in the brains of these patients in the steady state. And he was successful in that grant application, and that came with it a um, funding for a research fellow. And uh, we had two applicants for that, that position, um, one of which was a man by the name of Carl Frischton, who appeared in the summer in a long brown camel head coat, which is rather interesting. Uh, but clearly Peter knew of him and uh, realised he was quite an intellectual force and was very keen, although he, wasn't, he didn't come over in any sort of uh, heavy, heavy sense at the interview. Carl then systematically and very quickly went about collecting this data, which wasn't trivial because there were 30 schizophrenics. He had to sleep overnight in St. Bernard's Hospital and had to really collect them all. And they had to be especially sort of, you know, worked up uh, into these separate categories. He then had the problem of analysing the data and sort of how can you systematically categorise these people and look and observe and search for differences in their neurofunctional anatomy. And uh, at that time, the St. Louis group were doing something on statistical mapping of a sort, and I had a paper to referee from the Journal of CBF Metabolism, so I didn't fully understand, but I, I showed it to Carl, uh, uh, say, what do you think, this is interesting uh, activity. And that may have sparked something in him, I don't know, or maybe he'd already been thinking, because he'd got, as I believe, a, a quantum mechanics background. He originally did um, uh, physical sciences, or, and... Uh, and he's obviously been thinking along those lines, but shortly afterwards he came up with this concept of statistical paramatic imaging mapping. Now this was quite traumatic. I cannot underestimate. I can't overestimate how much it was, because it was a, a shock to us at Hammersmith, because we were then at that point myself, then Cunningham, Adrian, and Mertzmer were very quantitative which means measuring blood flows in mils per gram per minute in you know, great detail. That's quantitation. And here was this guy, Friston, sort of rough, riding roughshod over all this and saying, no, I'll take five of those and five of those and look for statistical differences between the topography. And it was quite a shock because, in a way, it's as much quantitative as what we were doing because he was looking at where were the statistic quantitative statistical differences where were they quantitatively in Cartesian space? So it was a quantitative statement he was doing, but it wasn't millis per gram per minute. And it, I think Carl, and the way he, where he uh, is quite flamboyant in his speech, uh, and of course he's eloquent, and, and it was, there were a number of brain, internal brain meetings which thrashed it all out. And uh, you can imagine the sort of, I wouldn't say culture clash, but I thought it was necessary it had been necessary to go through that for Carl so that he have his teeth cut, as it were, on the the prejudice world of how we should be analysing data. And I think it, it, it strengthened his resolve to go ahead. Uh, and I think people accepted what he was doing because what he was doing was saying, I'm looking for statistical differences. I want to be sure where they are. 
And I'm not just looking at that region of interest where it may happen, but I'm looking at the whole brain and seeing the statistical variation in the brain. I'm using that whole data set to define what's the jitter in the data. And when I see something over and above that jitter, I know it's significant because I'm comparing it to a huge body of data. It's taking the data as a whole rather than up until then, we just look at one region and see if it was working. And that was the power. And the power then, because you're using the whole data, you could pick up quite some subtle differences. And it suddenly occurred to me that if the statistical differences are not in the raw data before you process for blood flow, they'll never be in the data after processing. It's, those statistical changes have got to be in the fundamental data you record. And then there was a bit of a tussle amongst, again, the culture. People saying, it's got to be quantitative, but no. Just use SPM on the raw data. Don't need blood sampling. Just say the radioactivity in the brain has a change regionally. If the rare raw data upon which you calculate blood flow, if that's not changing statistically in the region, therefore you haven't got a signal. And that meant you could then begin to do activation work without taking blood samples. You could then do it much easier, much simpler, and it blossomed the field. You could do things much easier, ethics are less of a problem. Well, quite honestly, we were making hay then. We had published five nature papers on this stuff. And uh, you need that sort of, uh, uh, to pay the bills, basically. <laughs> you need that sort of profile to pay the bills so you can bring on other things underneath like the more longer term. So we were doing 120 scans a week. Not, that's, that's about... I don't know how many patients that was, but 12 patients or so. We were doing a lot of studies. We brought on a camera, more or less specifically for that, uh, the retractable receptor camera. We were, we were able to do studies way into the evening, make very efficient use of the facilities, quite simple studies. I mean, injecting of water, no arterial blood samples, uh, very challenging in terms of data handling the unit. We were doing 3D reconstructions, really challenging. So we were pushing the system hard, and we were making hay, scientifically.